Welcome to episode 127 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with Sidecarmer trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to sidecarmer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us in Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. Our sponsor this week is PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. On today's episode, I'm featuring a conversation with Sam Whitehurst, Vice President of Program and Services of the Dixon Center for Military and Veteran Services an organization that serves as a resource for individuals, organizations, and communities interested in the long-term well-being of our veterans and their families. Colonel Whitehurst's last assignment was the director of the Soldier for Life program. He was responsible for developing programs and creating opportunities for the over 100,000 soldiers that transition into the workforce or higher education every year. You can find out more about Sam by checking out his bio on our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with him and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. Sam, so glad to be able to have you on the show to talk about the Dixon Center and the work that you do to support service members, veterans, and their families. Before we get into that, however, I'd like to hear about you and your background and why this mission is so important to you. Okay. And Dwayne, let me start off. Thanks for having me here. I'm really looking forward to the discussion and to the conversation. Kind of start just very briefly about myself. So I served in the Army for just over 29 years. I was an infantry officer and had the opportunities to work with great service members, great soldiers, and also great families. Over the course of that 29 years, I had the chance to command at different levels over the course of my career. And then, of course, as as all of my generation of service members and veterans had an opportunity to serve overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan multiple times. So both my wife and I always want to make sure I include my wife because she's definitely been part of this journey in the Army. We've had some really great Army days, and as she'll be the first to tell you, we've had some bad Army days, and we've really seen how people have risen to the occasion, whether those are family members, service members. We've really seen how they, in communities, how they've risen to the occasion of the course of my career in the Army. But we've also seen some tough times, too. We've seen folks who obviously have been very impacted by military service and some of the things that have happened over the last couple of decades. So when I retired in 2019, my wife and I were both excited about starting a new chapter in our life. And I I hate to use the word retire because there's some type of finality to retirement, right? And so while, yes, I did retire from the Army, it wasn't the end of the story. And we knew there was going to be another chapter. But one of the things that I personally struggled with, which I think a lot of service members when they're transitioning from active duty struggle with is we are all hardwired to serve. Then all of a sudden, when that kind of just disappears and it feels like it disappears, it goes away overnight. A lot, of, a lot of service members, veterans struggle with that. And I struggled as well. How can I continue to serve? So when the opportunity came to, as part of that next chapter in my life, go to work for Dixon Center for Military and Veteran Services, 
I knew the chairman of Dixon Center, Colonel David Sutherland. I served with him on active duty in Iraq in 2007. The brigade I was in was adjacent to his brigade there in northern Iraq. And so I, I knew him and also knew other soldiers who had served with him who I had a tremendous amount of respect for. So when the opportunity came up to serve with someone that I trust, admire, and respect, like Colonel Sutherland, and then also had the opportunity to continue to serve veterans and their families. Again, we always make sure we include families. I just jumped at the opportunity and, and really have not looked back. I've been with Dixon Center for Military and Veterans Services for the last four years now, and I'm looking forward to what, as this journey continues to unfold and continue to serve and to serve our veterans and our families and really anyone who's connected to the military, families of our fallen caregivers, of course, active duty service members, military spouses, and kind of wrap around all of that are the families. I appreciate how you indicate that that's not an uncommon challenge. As you mentioned, this is something that a lot of service members experience leaving the military is the sense of service is ingrained from the job that we did. But in, in, at the end of your career, you actually served as part of the Soldier for Life program, which is really the idea of serving those. It's a lifelong continued to engage retirees and veterans. Even with that, however, you might have been in a unique position of being thinking about life after the military. We don't often do that when we're in the military. Do you feel like that prepared you for the transition somewhat, or were there still some surprises? Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that it finally forced me to really start to face the fact that there's going to be something after the Army. And also, when I say yes and no, the no portion of that is I waited too long. I've told people this on so many occasions since I've retired from the Army, that if there's one regret I have is I didn't start thinking about that, what life after the Army was going to be like. When I was in it, it was the army, right? It's right there in your face 24 seven. And that's all I could really focus on is that I was always going to be in the army. But I, like I tell everyone, even the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley is going to do something after the army. And instead of, I had a tremendous opportunity where I was kind of forced in my last year of service as the director of Soldier for Life, I really had to start thinking about that because I saw firsthand how not thinking about that was impacting so many soldiers as they left the army. Um, and so it forced me to really look internally. And I said, I need to start thinking about this. So I was able to take advantage of that year. In fact, one of the things I wanted to do since I was exposed to so many different programs to help transitioning service members, I tried to do as many of those as I could my way. And I really overwhelmed myself a little bit, but I really wish the advice I give to every active duty service member I speak to now is, think about life after the army. I, I still remember the day when my wife and I sat down. I was a somewhat of a senior captain. We sat down and we decided, okay, we're all in, right? We are all in. We're going to take this thing to 20 and beyond. I remember that day. I just wish when I had that conversation, my wife had also said, okay, but then when, once we hit that 20 or 25 or 30, let's start thinking about what we want to do afterwards. And so I think it, it like I said, I was very fortunate at Soldier for Life to see that, but I really wish I'd done it a lot sooner. I really appreciate that concept. What is beyond the beyond? Because that's the, especially for whether you're in for four years or 24 years or 34 years, as you're talking about, there will be some point that you're no longer in the military. And I get a sense that's really where the Dixon Center wants to be able to support that, the beyond. Now, the development of the Dixon Center is interesting in that 
It's not part of the Department of Defense, but it can trace its origin directly to Admiral Mullen, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and the work that began within the Department of Defense during the height of the global war on terror. Yeah, I, and it starts with two people. Actually, it starts with Admiral Mullen's vision. But the two people that implemented that were, I've already mentioned David Sutherland, but also Kim Mitchell. They, Kim and David are the co-founders of Dixon Center for Military and Veteran Services. But like you said, Dwayne, that really started with a vision that Admiral Mullen had. So when Admiral Mullen was serving as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, one of the things that he was frustrated by that as he would, in his duties as the chairman, as he would go around the country, he had so many people so many organizations and so many communities approaching him going, look, we hear the stories. And of course, this is at a time when unemployment for many Americans was extremely high, but especially for our transitioning service members and for our veterans. And so he would hear from so many different groups of people who asked, how can we help our service members coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, whether they're dealing with employment issues, maybe they're dealing with health and wellness issues, maybe it's housing issues. How can we help? And Admiral Mullen began to coin the term, the sea of goodwill. There's a sea of goodwill out there, but the challenge is connecting that sea of goodwill with the resources and the programs so you can really maximize the impact of the American people wanting to help. And so he then, he, he charged his staff, he charged Colonel Sutherland, he, he charged Kim Mitchell, create an organization that can do that, that can start connecting that sea of goodwill to the resources and the infrastructure in order really to have an impact on our military connected individuals, whether that's military spouses, transitioning service members, veterans, and anyone connected with the military community. So they created an office within the joint staff that did that. And then Kim and David, Dave Sutherland, then took that vision as they retired from active duty. And then they wanted something that would have an even more impact because he one of the challenges, as many people who have served in the Department of Defense know, is that it's an incredible bureaucracy. So even with the great intentions in the world, this is an incredible bureaucracy that's sometimes hard to navigate. They wanted to take Admiral Mullen's vision that he used as the chairman and then take that into the nonprofit community where you're not necessarily shackled by that bureaucracy, where you can react more rapidly to changing conditions, to the evolving conditions and needs of veterans and their families and then really implement quickly, deploy and implement programs to have an impact. So that was Dixon Center. That's how Dixon Center came about 11 years ago. And so we've been around for 11 years and are continuing to have an impact on organizations and communities that are supporting veterans and their families. And I was going to say that thinking about 2012, when it was developed, I was still in the military, you were still in the military. Obviously, the needs were great. We were probably seeing the second wave of really the need of returning combat veterans first wave look in 2008, 9, and 10. But now here we are, like you said, 11 years later. I'm curious the idea, like the sea of goodwill is still out there. It might have shifted some. The ships that are floating on the sea of goodwill are numerous. But where do you think from that perspective of Admiral Mullen's insight that long ago of the sea of goodwill, has it changed? Has it shifted? We always, we always say that the needs of veterans and their families are constantly evolving. And sometimes as those needs are evolving, I don't think that see a goodwill or the American society can necessarily keep pace with that. And that's where I think that's the role that we play at Dixon Center is that is making sure that the American public and American people understand how those needs are evolving. 
one of the things we say at Dixon Center that if you've met a veteran, you've met a veteran. You've met one veteran. Too often, I think people look at veterans as this very monolithic demographic. Like every veteran has the same challenges, the same needs, and needs access to the same resources. And Dwayne, I'm sure you've seen this. The needs of veterans are different by the community they reside in, what part of the country they're in, depending on how they left the military. There's so many things that come into play that impact. And so every veteran has these very unique needs. And the challenge is educating the American public so they because they still want to help. They still want to support. It's just being able to make sure that that support is very focused to the particular need that needs to be addressed in the, in the different communities. And that's one of the reasons at Dixon Center for Military and Veteran Services, we really believe in the model of community-based organizations. No one understands the needs of a veterans in a particular community than those organizations who live and reside in those same communities. So we are constantly looking for those community-based organizations that are having an impact and try to help them to increase their impact because they know their veterans better than anyone else. We never try to come into a community and say, here's the answer to the test, right? We go in and we listen. We listen first and hear and what's going on. Sometimes we'll hear of good initiatives and best practices that maybe we can then export to other areas of the country where it's appropriate and where it fits. I think I've seen this in, in, I retired in 2014. So in the last 10 years or so that I've been working in the military and veteran support space in a number of different areas, have seen this sort of transition away from being direct service providers. And everybody's really trying to elbow themselves away to provide the direct service to really what you're talking about is organizations that are supporting other organizations. That's what Psycharmer does through education or every organizations will do an aspect and then partner with other organizations to provide a different aspect of what a veteran wants in their post-military life. In the Dixon Center, like you said, is really an organization that supports a wide range of initiatives in that way through employment, through healing, through providing basic needs. What can you tell us about some of the areas that the Dixon Center supports? So we focus on, let me back up first, because I, I, I want to reinforce the point that you made, Dwayne, about Psych Armor. Psych Armor is a tremendous organization. That's why we consider them very close friends and partners, because they're doing exactly that. They are using their focus in order to increase the impact of other organizations and programs out there that want to serve veterans and their families or anyone connected to the military. So we're big fans of Tina and her team there at PsychArmor. But at Dixon Center, one, we focus on three different areas. We call those areas work with purpose, heal with honor, and live with hope. So work with purpose is all about workforce development and career placement. So we work with several different public-private partnerships across the country. We have a very interesting and I think a unique relationship with organized labor in supporting workforce development programs. They're going to take a service member who's already got these great skills of leadership and teamwork and discipline, and but they do training and give them very specific skills that they're then able to take into guaranteed employment. That's one of the things I was talking to someone last week and they were talking about, there's really no, no such thing as guaranteed employment. I was like, I work with several programs where there is a job guaranteed waiting for a service member when they complete the program or for a veteran when they complete the program. But it's guaranteed placement. And it, these are into jobs that are already, they start you into the middle class. That's another area that as I talk with folks across the veteran community, I don't think people realize 
Uh, of course, depending on your rank, but even as a sergeant, as a staff sergeant, when you leave the military, you're already in the middle class. But too often we see, especially among our, our junior enlisted and our junior NCOs, we see too many folks who just come and they take the first job offered. It's an entry level job, maybe paying minimum wage. And that is a twenty to $30,000 drop off. It's an earnings cliff. That is not the right way to start that next chapter in your life. So we work with programs that provide a direct pathway into the middle class and have opportunities for advancement. Heal with Honor focuses on health and wellness, especially on the wellness part. There are many programs out there addressing issues like mental health and emotional wellness. I think too often many people kind of default to the position that there is a clinical answer to some of the challenges, the emotional or mental health challenges that veterans face. And there is, there's, there's obviously there are folks experiencing that and do need that very clinical approach to address what they're facing. But we also want to make sure we create a conversation around wellness programs. And so we, we follow the eight dimensions of wellness. This is something many people have talked about the different dimensions of wellness. I don't think anyone has, has the copyright on this, but we look to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration, their definition of the eight dimensions of wellness. And we look for programs that are addressing that. And that's things like financial wellness, occupational wellness, spiritual, social. I shouldn't try to list them all because I invariably will always drop a couple of two. Physical, emotional wellness, and intellectual wellness, and environmental wellness, making sure you have a safe place to live. So we look at programs who address things like that. And it's all about social connectedness. If you can build that social connectedness, you can eliminate the isolation and disconnection that burdens too many of our veterans and their families. So we focus on health, but we also focus on that wellness component. And then our Live With Hope focuses on access to affordable housing and also combating veteran homelessness and addressing basic needs. So we do have a small, at Dixon Center, we do have a very small program focused on women veterans where we provide emergency financial assistance. But we try to have a larger impact by finding organizations that are helping guarantee access to affordable housing, programs that are helping combat veteran homelessness and connect them to veterans who are in need of those services. See, and I appreciate those three buckets. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned earlier, the colleagues that I work with now, they laugh when I say that I'm retired. They say, if you're retired, why are you working? We, like you said, there has to be something beyond the beyond. None of us, we're all young enough. We can still contribute to society. So what do you do after the military? That's where that employment support is. And again, as you mentioned, especially with the current era post 9-11 veterans, you don't go through all this without a couple of dents in your fenders, right? So you need some sort of support, some sort of healing. And then, like you've said, I started out working, supporting veteran homelessness. There are obviously some difficulties in getting those basic needs met. And so really, this is whatever aspect of struggles, if there might be struggles or could be struggles in post-military life, it sounds like the Dixon Center is connected to organizations that are addressing one or more of those areas. No, absolutely. And like I said, as, and I mentioned, I probably mentioned this earlier, but like Dixon Center for Military and Veterans Services, we are not a direct service provider, but we work with those who do provide those direct services. And we have partners, other nonprofits, like we're very close friends and partners with Psych Armor. 
but we work with other nonprofits. We work with employers. We work with universities and colleges. We work with unions. We work with anyone who wants to find a way to better integrate military-connected individuals and veterans into their existing programs and to increase their impact. Like I said, I, I enjoyed my 29 years in the Army. I have very few regrets and many more things that I look back very fondly. But I always tell folks, since I retired, I've never really looked back. Continuing to look forward in the last four years has just been a blast because I get a chance every once in a while, I do get a chance to see the impact that we're having, but also the impact all of the other organizations and folks who are invested in supporting veterans and our families. I get to see that impact firsthand and that always makes my day. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's amazing. So if people wanted to find out more about the Dixon Center, if they wanted to maybe reach out, connect, support even, how can they do that? Go to our website at DixonCenter.org. Go to our website. You, my email address is on the website. You can reach me through that through the website. There's Get my email, contact me. So if you're an organization, a community, or an individual, and like I said, you want to, there's veterans in your community who have needs that need to be addressed, and you want to try to connect them with resources. It could be resources right there in your local community. It could be resources in other parts of the country. It could be resources at the federal government whether it's the VA, Department of Labor, Department of Defense, have some great programs. But if we can help connect you to those programs to make your program or what you're trying to do for the veterans in your community more impactful, like I said, that makes our date. So DixonCenter.org. Absolutely. We'll make sure a link to that and your email in the show notes. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Dwayne, thanks for having me. Like I said, great conversation, and I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Absolutely. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. I'm glad to have been able to share my conversation with Sam and to highlight the work that the Dixon Center is doing and has been doing to support service members, veterans, and their families for over a decade. The sea of goodwill might have changed as we talked about in our conversation, but the needs certainly haven't. The first point that I would like to expand upon is something that Sam said in the early part of our conversation. Transition out of the military is difficult for almost everyone, whether they'd like to admit it or not. And that difficulty certainly comes in different degrees, ranging from the comparatively easy to the nearly impossible. But each veteran I've talked to who has served in the last 20 years has said what Sam said. The transition was hard and wished they had started it sooner. See, when you're in the military, you're surrounded by people who have not yet left the military. Everyone is focused on the mission and if there is any consideration for the future, it's the future within the military. It's very hard to think about being outside the machine when you're inside the machine. That's why I found it interesting that Sam was in a position at the end of his career to work in a program that gave him a glimpse outside the machine, the Army Soldier for Life program. Those of you who aren't familiar, the Soldier for Life program engages and connects the Army with organizations that support service members, veterans, and their families to create opportunities after their time in the military. But even as Sam was leading the program, he was preparing for his transition, and he thought it was too late. My wife and I decided to retire from the military a full 15 months before I was actually out, and I started an educational journey seven years before I retired with the idea of what I wanted to do after I left the military, and even I thought that I wasn't ready. Leaving the military is extremely difficult and inevitable, again, as Sam said. And once you've been through it, it seems like it shouldn't have been that hard, but it sure was. 
so I'm glad to hear that programs like the Dixon Center are there to support those who are going through this transition. And that's the second point that I'd like to bring up. Transition and post-military life are complex problems, and they require complex solutions that are customized to the needs of each transitioning service member. Since we're strolling down memory lane here, I think back on my own transition assistance program classes back in 2013. A top floor room in some old World War II era building on Fort Carson filled with soldiers leaving the army in anywhere from a week to a year. And we joked that it was the old folks in the front and the kids in the rear. The front row of the training was filled with folks like me, the retiring soldiers, the first sergeants and majors and warrant officers. We were up there because we were desperately beginning to realize what Sam said. Whatever plans that we made might not have been enough and we all had mortgages, families to support, and needed to find comparable paying jobs in order to pay the bills. Kids in the back, on the other hand, maybe didn't have those burdens and were less engaged. But the challenges that every single one of those people faced were all real and were all different. The Dixon Center, with their three focus areas, supports over 100 different programs engaging veterans' employment, wellness, housing, and basic needs. When you start to dig into each of those areas, you find different levels of complexity and needs, from someone who could use help with tweaking your resume to someone who needs full-blown employment preparation and support. For someone who needs a bit of help managing a rough patch in their life to someone who is struggling with an ongoing mental health or substance use concern. These problems are so highly individualized that a standard solution simply won't work because there is no solution generalized enough to be effective for everyone. And again, it's why I'm glad organizations like the Dixon Center recognize that complexity and are doing their part to bring complex solutions to the situation. So I hope you appreciated my conversation with Sam. If you did, we'd appreciate hearing from you. So if you do have some feedback, let us know. Drop a review in your podcast player of choice or send us an email at info at We're always glad to hear from listeners, both feedback on the show and suggestions for future guests. For this week's Psychomer Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the Psychomer course, Why Collaboration is So Important in Supporting Military Members, Veterans, Their Families, and Caregivers. This course is designed for community leaders interested in exploring some key components to a successful collaborative journey. You will learn how collaboration can provide the structure needed to impact the lives of the military-connected community. You can find out more through the link in our show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find in the podcast app, as well as on the Psychummer website, psychummer.org forward slash podcast. While you're there, you can find hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation, and make sure to engage with Psychummer on social media to let us know what you thought about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by Psycharmor. Much appreciation to the team at Psycharmor that makes the show happen. Carol Turner, Vice President of Strategic Communications, who keeps me on track and is an outstanding guest coordinator. Support and transcripts by Emma Atherall. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we request that you do, but make sure to let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.